As I jump into our, our passage today, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 to 12. So we're working our way towards the end of this book. Uh, we've been in 1 John over the course of the summer and just a great study. We've walked verse by verse through this incredible letter. Um, as you're turning there, I've got a question for you. Have you ever carried something that brought blessing and not burden? All right, because I don't know about you, but when I think about carrying something, a lot of times I think of something that's heavy or something that is burdensome to me. Um, Sean McCloskey's here in the front row. I wasn't going to share this illustration, but I've demoed a lot of bathrooms with Sean over the last few years. And if there's a cast iron tub involved in the project, that is a heavy piece of equipment. Right? It, is, it is large, and it has to a lot of times be removed. And so when we think of carrying something, we often think of something that's really heavy. That's a burden for us to hold or for us to carry. But have you ever carried something that was a blessing to you? Something that brought joy or, or happiness to your heart? I think of back in my days in student ministry, I had the opportunity to be the bus driver many times for our trips. And as the bus driver, you're, you only hear this if you're a bus driver, right? Before you're getting ready to leave, parents will say it, um, other staff members will say it, my own wife said it, just remember, you've got precious cargo that you're carrying, right? Like there's an, this idea that the, that the lives of all of those students are in my hands as that bus driver, right? That is a little bit burdensome, but it also brings joy and blessing to my heart. That God would entrust that kind of responsibility to me. Or maybe you're here this morning and um, you've had a child. All right? Maybe you're, you're a woman, you've been pregnant before, and, and that idea of carrying a child for nine months and then seeing that baby in the delivery room. Like there is a joy, there is an, an incredible blessing that comes from carrying a child. Or for the men in the room that have had this experience on the other side when you're, when you're driving away from the hospital and you've got the, the baby carrier in the back seat and you've never driven so slow and cautiously in your entire life. And that moment when you, you have that baby carrier in your arm for the first time and you walk into your home and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But God, you are so good, Right? Right? There's these, these moments in our lives, and you can probably think of those moments in your lives when you've been asked to carry something that brought great blessing to your life. You know, we understand this idea of physically carrying things, but here's my challenge for us this morning as we look at this passage. As followers of Jesus, Jesus' followers carry God's testimony. We carry the testimony of God with us. It'll say this in verse 10 of our passage. We'll read it here in a moment. But I just want to highlight this for a second. It says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. That we carry the very testimony of God wherever we go throughout the course of our week. What a powerful reminder this morning for us as the church. That we have the privilege, we have the blessing as followers of Jesus to carry God's testimony to be a representative for him. If you were with us last week, just want to review. If you weren't, maybe this helps catch you up to speed. In verses 1 through 5, what we saw last week is that faith keeps the commandments of God. And so to truly love God is to keep his commandments. 
It's to do what he says. It's to love him and honor him and worship him by living according to the very standard of God's word. Well, this week, that idea of faith also continues. And we'll see that faith here receives the testimony of God. That God has given all of us, as followers of Christ, a gift. And to really live by faith, to do and to live like God wants us to, is to receive that testimony and to carry that testimony with us wherever we go. Again, the writer of this letter is John. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was also considered one of the three, kind of the core leadership team while Jesus was on the earth. And in the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He was an eyewitness to the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus. He was a firsthand account. He got to see it front row. Nobody sits in the front row, all right? But John did, all right? John had a front row seat to Jesus and his ministry. And so when John writes, when he communicates these words, we can know that they have authority, that there is power here, that this is the very word of God. In verse 9, it'll talk about John will write that this is the testimony of God, that Jesus Christ came, and I personally witnessed his coming when he was on the earth. True followers of Jesus carry the testimony of God with them. Another way to say this is that we all have a story of grace, that we would be nothing without Christ, that his story, his testimony, the fact that he gave of his son Jesus Christ And that by believing in the Son of God and and having faith in him as the Savior of our lives, that is where we find true life. And we carry that testimony with us. We share that story of grace in the places that God has called us to. And as we find ourselves in some very difficult times in this culture and as a church, I'm so powerfully reminded by this passage that we're called to go and be the church. We're called to go and be the body of Christ wherever he has called us to. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives the great commission where we're called to go and make disciples. That's our challenge. That's our call. Jesus' followers carry God's testimony. So let's talk about this phrase, testimony, the testimony of God. What is it? How do we understand this? I just want to break down the passage really in two main points today. And I believe these truths, these these points, should serve as the foundation of our own testimony. And so if you've been around the church for any time at all, you will hear people share their testimonies, right? They'll, They'll share their story of how God saved their life and changed their life and put them on the right path. I believe what we find in this passage serves as a firm foundation For our testimony, it's the testimony of God. And the first one is this. The Son of God came. Very simple. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, he came. Look at verses 6 through 8. It says this. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. 
And these three agree. Let's talk about these three verses here for a moment. I want to focus in here on the very first part where it says, this is he who came. He's talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He came. It reminds me of a a passage that we talked about a few weeks ago in here as we got ready to to take the Lord's Supper. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul writes, who, talking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to, to hold tightly to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Jesus, it says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the Son of God, the pre-existent Savior, the one who has existed for all of eternity past and will exist for all of eternity. He is God. He is full divinity, full deity. He emptied himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ came. And here in 1 John chapter 5, it answers for us the question, how did Jesus come? Well, it tells us in the first part of Verse 6, this is he who came, it says, by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Now there's been some debate on what these words mean, that Jesus came by water and by blood. But as I've studied this, what I believe is going on here in this text, what, what John is getting at, is that when he says that Jesus came by water, he is referring to Jesus' baptism. That when Jesus started his earthly ministry, you can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 3 if you would like, but Jesus starts his earthly ministry by going down to the River Jordan. And there John the Baptist is baptizing people. And Jesus goes to John and is baptized And when he comes up out of the waters of baptism, God's word says that there is a voice from heaven. It's the voice of his father who says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has set an example for all of us that part of our testimony, part of our life as a follower of Christ involves our baptism as we publicly proclaim God's goodness and his grace and his salvation in our lives. Jesus came by water and also says that he came by blood. This one's a little bit more clear, I believe, because Jesus here, it's it's referring to his death on the cross. That on the cross, his blood was spilled. That on the cross, he really died for our sins. That his blood was shed, that his body was broken. That he was crucified for you and I on that cross. How did Jesus come? He came by water and by blood. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, kind of back at the beginning of this letter, John writes, but if we walk in the light, if we're going to live as a testimony of God, I love this, as he is in the light, it says we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus his son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from all sin. How did Jesus come? By water and blood. And the next question that I believe our text answers for us is, 
Well, how do we know this is true? Who testifies to this truth, to this reality? And it tells us in verse 6, the Holy Spirit does. The very Spirit of God testifies to the truth of Jesus' life and ministry. One commentary said it this way. It said, it is the characteristic work of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the fact that Jesus Christ came. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that guides us, leads us, shows us the way. And so if you're here as a follower of Christ today, you can know that the Spirit of God has led you to that point. That he's the one who did the work of salvation. He's the one who championed the idea in your heart that Jesus came, that he died for my sins, that he was buried in a tomb, that he rose again on the third day. The Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, and what he has accomplished on our behalf. And then in verse 7 and 8, it says, All three of these, the water, the blood, and the Spirit, they all testify, and they all agree to this truth, that the Son of God came. Now this idea of of all three of them are affirming this or are testifying to this truth has has deep roots in the Old Testament. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, we're not going to go there today, but in the, in the Old Testament, it required two or three witnesses if a charge was going to be brought up to someone. That two or three people had to agree on this charge for it to be considered. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, Jesus also mentions this idea that there must be two or three witnesses if there's a charge to be brought. We see that in Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew chapter 18 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And so all three are testifying and agreeing to this reality that Jesus Christ came. So here's my question for us today as we consider this truth, we consider this reality. What does the fact that Jesus Christ came, what does that do in our hearts? How does that change us in the way that we live? The theological term that kind of summarizes this idea that Jesus Christ came is the incarnation, right? That the word became flesh for uh, John chapter one. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. And so my question is, as we think about Jesus and his incarnation, what can we learn from that? How should that shape our testimonies? How should that change the way we relate to people, to those that God puts into our paths. So here's my challenge. There's a lot of ways that I could go. But here's the one thing that I would want you to focus on today. Just be present. Be present. We live in a world of a lot of distraction. A lot of things pulling for our attention and drawing us away from the moment that we find ourselves in. What I love about Jesus and the way he he chose to minister to us and to reach us and meet us where we're at is he, he didn't just stay in heaven. No, he stepped out of heaven and he came to this earth to live a perfect life amidst sinful culture just like we live in. He lived a perfect life, never sinned, never fell short of the glory of God, yet he died on a cross, a criminal's death for our sake. Jesus was present. He was present. 
This week I was listening to a podcast with Andy Stanley, and he said this phrase, and I just want to quote him. It says, your presence is more important than your presentation. Right? Think about that. Your presence is more important than your presentation. All right, so many times as followers of Christ, I think we get so nervous and anxious about what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. And I've got a story and a testimony, and then there's the gospel. Like, how am I going to say all these things? Just be present. Show up. Be a good friend. Love people where they're at. And we have to speak the truth of the gospel. The only way someone comes to salvation is by them hearing the gospel of Jesus. And it's many times accompanied with our own personal testimony. But be present. When someone is struggling, when someone is going through hardship, show up. Be in the room with them. Be a good listener. Be present with them. Put the phone aside and focus in and look them in the eye. Maybe pray with them, encourage them, read scripture to them. Just be present. Model the life and ministry of Christ by being present with the people that God has placed in your life. Let me say it this way. Your testimony would only be a story if Jesus had never come. Like your, your testimony and what has happened in your life and the changes that have gone down in your life, let's be honest, if Jesus had never come, it would just be another story. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came. What's the second point here? Of this passage. Secondly, God the Father gave. God the Father gave. Look at verses 9 through 12 with me. It says this If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. What is the testimony of God? The Son of God came, and God the Father gave. I love what Luke had to share earlier about, about birthdays and cupcakes and, and celebrations, because if you think about it, every good earthly father wants to give a gift on a birthday. Or maybe it's Christmas or some other special occasion. Every good earthly father finds joy and satisfaction and pleasure in the fact of, of just giving a gift to someone who's in their household. And, and how much more does our heavenly father find joy and satisfaction? It brings pleasure and, and happiness to his heart by giving us good things. And he gave us the ultimate good thing. That being a relationship with Christ. That when we believe in Jesus, we can have eternal life. God the Father gave. What I love about this passage is it tells us that the testimony of God, 
Right? The truth of the gospel, the life and teachings of Jesus, the testimony of God is greater than the testimony of men. It says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. It's greater. Now, this is not to diminish the, the powerful testimony that you've heard shared. Right? Because God works and he uses those things. But let us not forget that it's the very testimony of God and it's how God has worked in that individual's life. That, that, that's what should be celebrated and what should be worshipped is God himself because God's testimony is greater. He's the one who gave the grace in the first place. And so what is the testimony of God? Well, here in verse 9, John says this, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. It's about Christ. He will repeat this phrase, born concerning his son, twice here in this passage. And it's the idea that, that the truth of Christ has been birthed, it's been given, it's been, it's been extended as a grace to those who hear it. The testimony of God is that he has borne concerning his son One commentary put it this way, that in the strongest possible terms, John here is claiming divine authority for his teaching. It's not merely his own testimony or his own perspective. It's God's testimony. It's the very words of God that are inspired by the Spirit. John is proclaiming the truth of Jesus. He is proclaiming the gospel in this letter. Well, then he'll go on in verses uh, 10 and 11 to draw some really stark contrasts. And I want to just highlight those for you just for a moment. He starts in verse 10 by saying, whoever believes in the Son of God has his testimony, the, the testimony of God in himself. This is the idea where we get, we are carrying the testimony of God. But whoever does not believe God has made God a liar. Now, this doesn't say that God is a liar, But the fact that you are rejecting the truth of the gospel, you are resisting the message of Jesus, you are in a sense saying, God, you are wrong. That what you have said and what you have proclaimed in your word is not true, so you're making him out to be a liar. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony of God in himself. He carries that with him. But whoever does not believe God has made God a liar. And how do we know this? It says in verse 10 also, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning himself. So, as you look at this text, maybe you're here and you're thinking, okay, John, what's the testimony? Shoot me straight. What's the, what's the most clear, direct answer to the question of what is the testimony of God? Well, I believe he gives that to us in verse 11, where he says, the testimony that God gave is that God gave us eternal life. And this life is found in his Son. Again, we have these whoever's, stark contrast, right? line in the sand here. Whoever has the Son has life, John writes. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So if you're here today, let me just draw out some examples for you. 
If you're here today and you're a child, or maybe you're in elementary school, there are going to be things in elementary school that you're going to be tempted, you're going to run to to find life. Things that bring you joy or satisfaction, or maybe it makes you happy. But I'm here to tell you, if that's anything other than a relationship with Jesus, it's going to leave you feeling empty and sad. If you're here today and you're a middle schooler or a high school student, you know this is true. But just look on social media for a moment. Right? There's all kinds of things that our world is throwing at us to, to fill us and to make us feel a sense of worth or value or identity in life. John is very clear here. If you're running to those things to find life, you're going to find yourself feeling empty and broken because only Jesus can give you true life. Adults, we know this to be true as well. We can easily run to marriage or, or family or career or possessions or homes or cars or the things that this world has to offer. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if we're running to those and we're worshiping those as the idols of our lives, it's going to leave us feeling empty and broken and wanting more. Whoever has life has the sun. Whoever has found life That means that he or she has found life in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And God made that all possible. God the Father gave. So like the incarnation and Jesus coming, it leads me to a question. What can we learn about God's grace? The term grace means that we have been given something that we do not deserve. Namely, salvation. But there's a whole long list of other things that we simply do not deserve. So when we think about God's amazing grace, when we think about all that he has done in our lives, what can we learn from God's grace? How does that change us? How does that shape us? How can we be more like Jesus as a result of thinking about and reflecting on the very grace of God? Again, let me challenge you with one thought. Be generous. Be generous. Now, we automatically start thinking about money. We start thinking about uh, possessions and giving away all of our stuff and giving it to the poor if we really love God. And yeah, that's an element of what it means to be generous. But being generous is a lifestyle. It's who we should be as followers of Jesus. And so in your time, are you being generous The way you spend your time, the way you go throughout your week, are you using the time that God has given you to be generous? Are you using the talents? Every one of you has a spiritual gift. If you're a follower of Jesus, every one of you has a personality and passions and different talents in life that God has wired in you. Are you using those for God's glory? Are you being generous with those gifts? And all of us have some level of treasure, possessions, money, resources. Are we known as people of generosity who give freely and give it to those who don't even deserve it? Are we following the leading of our Savior? Are we following the grace of God, extending that grace to those who are in our lives? 
Again, I'll say it this way. As you think about your testimony, as you think about your story of grace, your testimony would only be a story if it weren't for God's grace. Without Christ, John 15 says that we are nothing. That we can do nothing. We can produce nothing. But when we are connected to Jesus, when we are abiding in him, when we have a deep abiding relationship with Jesus, who is the king, he is the savior, he is the creator, he is the God, he is all things, he knows all things. When we are firmly connected to our savior, we can accomplish much for his glory. Jesus' followers carry God's testimony. It's a high calling. It's a powerful reality for all of us that when we walk out of here today, we carry the very testimony of God. That when people in our workplaces, people in our neighborhoods, people in our families, people in our friend groups, when the people around us see us, they will see Christ. Are we reflecting Jesus to the people that God has put in our path? Jesus' followers carry God's testimony. Just a quick review. What is the testimony of God? The Son of God came. So like Christ, think about this this week, like Christ, be present. As you think about your relationships, as you think about the people that you interact with, are you being present with them? What is the testimony of God? Well, it's God the Father gave. God gave, in the ultimate way, our salvation So like Christ, like the Father, let's be generous. Let's extend grace. Let's offer forgiveness. Let's be known as people of generosity, people of care and compassion. Two reflection questions, and I'll close. First one is this. Have you received the greater testimony of God? As we look at this passage, I think one of the questions that we should walk away really contemplating is, have I received this testimony? Is this testimony in me? So have you believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Do you have the Son, as the passage talks about? Do you have life? Have you experienced the abundant life that Jesus Christ has to offer you? Are you submitting your life to the work of the Holy Spirit, following his lead wherever he may call you to go? Have you experienced this testimony? Has that changed your life, and are you living according to that? Have you received the testimony of God? And secondly, how are you sharing God's testimony in your life? What does that look like for you? How is God calling you to to be present this week, and in doing so, to share your testimony with those that you're with. How is God, how's God calling you to, to be more like God by being more generous, more gracious, more sacrificial for others, to love people more than you love yourself? How is God calling you to live that kind of life this week, and in doing so, share the testimony of God, the work of Jesus, with them? And how are you going to share Who are you going to share that story with? Let's remember that without God and his grace in our lives, if Jesus had never come, our story would only be a story. But with God and his work in our life, we have a testimony. 
And as followers of Jesus, we're called to share that testimony and be a light, a representative, an ambassador for Christ in the places that he has called us to go. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I uh, were listening to an interview with a woman who has the name of Stephanie Wesco. Um, Stephanie Wesco has an incredible story, a testimony, one of great faith in the midst of incredible hardship. And so this morning, um, here in a moment, I'm going to ask Brad and Jen Mooney to come up and read this testimony. But here's what I want for the last about 10 minutes of our service. Here's our hope and our prayer for you. We want to carve out some time for you to reflect, to really have conversation with the Lord. And so the Moonies are going to come and they're going to read this testimony of Stephanie Wesco and her family. And then after they're done reading this story, Connor and Morgan are going to come back up and they're going to lead out one more song. And during this song, no pressure to stand or to sing along. You can if you feel the Lord leading you to. But again, we want to create some space here at the end of our service for you to have a conversation with God. That you would reflect on the truth of his testimony and ask these reflection questions and really talk with God and allow his spirit to challenge you, to encourage you, to lead you where he wants you to go. So, Brad and Jen, come on and share this story with us. Stephanie was born into a pastor's home and was involved in ministry from a very young age. At five years old, she placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation from sin and was baptized a few years later. Through her teen years, she strongly felt God's call to serve him in missions. And at the age of 17, she was fully surrendered to the Lord's will for her life. Shortly after graduation, the Lord began leading Stephanie and Charles together, and they were married a year later. Charles served as an assistant pastor, and Stephanie was heavily involved in the music ministry, as well as various outreach opportunities for children's ministries to church hospitality. In addition to these responsibilities, the Wescos were busy raising the eight children whom God had blessed them. The year 2013 found the family on their faces before the Lord, seeking his direction, and for almost two years, they waited, prayed, and sought God's next step in their lives. That step was Cameroon, West Africa. And after almost three years of raising support, they arrived in Cameroon on Cameroonian soil. Stephanie and Charles had planned to serve the Lord with their family for the rest of their lives on this foreign field. But the Lord had other plans. On October 30th, 2018, just 12 days after arriving and beginning their new ministry, Charles was shot while driving to town for groceries, and died instantly. Stephanie and the kids had to immediately evacuate and return to the States. After her husband's martyrdom, Stephanie resolved to stay faithful to her Savior. In the months since their return home, she has sought to take steps forward with her children, serving the Lord as he opens doors. After prayerfully searching for her new normal and healing from the effects of trauma, the Lord directed Stephanie to reach out and minister to other ladies and children who have been through excruciating, difficult circumstances and are now dealing with the effects of trauma and PTSD. 
Stephanie's desire is that the Lord will continue to put the broken pieces of her life back together in a way that will allow her to help others who are also deeply wounded by life's hardships. Her primary ministry goal is to see souls saved, ladies and children encouraged and discipled, and have the chance to love and help others who need to heal their hurting hearts. She's excited to know and serve the great physician who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, and confidently looks forward to seeing him do amazing things in the wounded spirits of ladies and children for his glory.